hello, hello. Happy Saturday out there to everybody. Welcome one and welcome all to episode number 116 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Streamer. Thank you, as always, for listening. If my voice sounds a bit raspier this week, maybe a bit sexier than usual, I'm getting over a bit of a cold so don't worry, I don't think you can catch anything through your earbuds, but just I uh, just want to let you know, let you know, I guess so I guess listen to the rest of this episode at your own peril. Uh, but it's always a pleasure to end our week together, start our weekend together whenever you listen to this show. It's always great to uh, have you along. Um, unfortunately, we have three stories we're going to talk about this week. Well, three main stories, all of which are negative. <laughs> we have... Uh, homophobic sports stars, and a possibly homophobic Major League Baseball team. Yay! Doesn't that sound uplifting? Uh, But hey, these are topics worth talking about as well. We spend a lot of time talking about the positive news in LGBTQ sports, and there certainly is a lot of it, and that's all great. But we do have to dive into these things when they arise, and they have arisen, and they arose this week. It's arose, right? Or is it arisen? Whatever. They came up this week. And let's start with Mark Jackson, uh, the former NBA guard, Warriors head coach, and now longtime lead NBA analyst for ABC and ESPN. Uh, Mark Jackson, you may know, has been dogged uh, with accusations of homophobia for years. Uh, There are a few stories that have floated around since his time with the Warriors ended in 2014. Uh, He apparently expressed his disapproval of same-sex marriage to then Warriors executive Rick Welts, who of course is openly gay and a Hall of Fame NBA executive, you could say one of the most influential and powerful uh, out sports executives uh, we've ever had. So there's been a lot of speculation over the years that Mark Jackson's viewpoints on same-sex marriage and gay rights may have played a role in his dismissal from the Warriors. And there's also that story that came out a few years ago that when they were talking about maybe bringing Jason Collins aboard on a 10-day contract, uh, Jackson supposedly said, not on my team, when talking about a gay player. So since then, Jackson, of course, has been very visible as one of the lead voices for ESPN's NBA coverage. Uh, Jackson, Van Gundy, Mike Breen, that traditionally has been the number one team. They call NBA Finals, all the big playoff games, primetime games, etc. And despite all that visibility and Jackson clearly coveting another head coaching job, uh, he hasn't got another chance at it, which has led some to think, Andre Iguodala said this a couple years ago, that Jackson may be blackballed from the NBA for his beliefs on same-sex rights and same-sex marriage and gay rights and all that stuff. So uh, it's this has been out there is what I'm saying, and I say that to say this. We had some new allegations this week from NBA reporter Ethan Strauss, who pointed out four things that were supposedly spiked from a 2016 ESPN The Magazine profile on Jackson and the Warriors' rise after he had left. And Strauss says these four tidbits about Jackson were spiked from the article because they were because they were considered too incendiary. Number one, extensive reporting on the cult-like us-against-them atmosphere that Jackson had cultivated 
in which he regularly demeaned the bosses to those within the locker room. Allegations that Jackson had in his final days with the team ramped up the religious rhetoric in ways that were increasingly extreme and divisive. How Mark had, according to a source, accused underlings of being influenced by the devil, which inspired Jackson to lay hands on them to cleanse them of their evil spirits. I could certainly use some of that, especially on Sunday mornings. Also, there's this. Two sources relayed that Jackson had referred to Jason Collins and team president Rick Welts, both openly gay, as penis grabbers who were going to hell. So NBA writer Ethan Strauss this week tweeted that out. He said those four incendiary tidbits were cut from an ESPN magazine feature on Jackson in 2016. Now, this is all relevant today because, well, first of all, let's just talk about the conflict of interest. Mark Jackson is one of ESPN's lead NBA voices. And if we're to believe Strauss, this incendiary information was cut from an ESPN The Magazine article about him and Golden State's rise when he, after he'd left. So you can see the conflict of interest there pretty clearly. And this is all relevant today in May of 2022 because Jackson, again, is looking for a head coaching job. He was a favorite of the Sacramento Kings, but he was ultimately passed over for Mike Brown. And he's supposedly in contention for the Lakers job, but there still hasn't been movement on that either. And the question is, does Mark Jackson have to publicly distance himself from his alleged remarks and outright reject them to get another chance at coaching an NBA team? And, you know, given the NBA's public push for LGBTQ inclusion, it would be tough for any team to hire Jackson under these circumstances. So I say yes. Yes, I think Mark Jackson, if he wants another chance truly to coach in the NBA again, it would probably behoove him to address these allegations and distance himself from these allegations. Because... Jackson's views on LGBTQ people are relevant when it comes to hiring him to coach an NBA team. Never mind the issue of potentially having gay players in your locker room, but he's representing the organization. And there is a lot of responsibility that comes with that. You look at a franchise like the Lakers. Jeannie Buss has done a lot of work with the LGBTQ community. The Lakers have a pride night every year. They're very active helping out LGBTQ charities and organizations in the greater Los Angeles area. Would the Lakers want to hire someone to be their head coach and thus the face of their franchise who doesn't believe same-sex marriage should be legal and who calls gay people penis grabbers and says they're going to hell? Is that... Really, the face that the Lakers would want or the Kings would want, who have numerous out employees, which we've written about in the past on out sports, do these, would these teams want someone like that to lead them to, again, be the face of the franchise? I don't think so. Now, of course, you know, I'm not big on making people address rumors, you know, address this. This must be addressed. Addressed to what and to whom is usually my rebuttal to that, but in this case, we do have the address to whom. 
address it to NBA teams because LGBTQ inclusion is a big emphasis of the league, as I said. There are numerous out employees throughout the NBA working for numerous NBA teams. And it's 2022, man. Mark Jackson. These allegations are out there. And, you know, it'd be like if there were allegations that a white coach was racist and was saying racist things about people of color, black players. If those allegations were out there about a white coach, I think there would be a broad consensus that, yeah, you know, he has to at least address this and distance himself from this because he's too risky to hire otherwise. I think the same thinking should apply to Mark Jackson in his supposed comments about LGBTQ people. I think it's the same exact issue. So a very interesting story with some new revelations this week that uh, certainly we'll keep an eye on because the Lakers should be naming their head coach pretty soon. And if it's not Mark Jackson, maybe that's another clue as to, well, maybe he is being blackballed after all. And I think rightfully so. Okay, next up, what do we have? What do we have? We have Greg Norman. Golf legend Greg Norman is a 20-time PGA Tour champion. He's the new CEO of a Saudi-backed golf league, LIV Golf, which is set to hold its first tournament next month. And Greg Norman, well, doesn't think discrimination against LGBTQ people is much of a big deal because... He says he's not sure whether he has any gay friends anyway. Okay, let's back up. Why are we talking about this? Well, as I mentioned, Greg Norman is the CEO of this new Saudi-backed golf league, which has been uh, just on the receiving end of tons of backlash in recent months for the fact that it is primarily funded by the Saudi Wealth Fund. Phil Mickelson came under fire a few months ago for making comments about Saudi Arabia's horrible record on human rights, including the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, but he said he would still take part in the tour because it was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity (laughs) to apply pressure on the PGA Tour. Mickelson later said his remarks were reckless, and speaking of the PGA Tour, it said recently that it will suspend players who defect to this LIV league So you have this whirlwind of bad publicity really sparked by Phil Mickelson's remarks in February. You have the PGA Tour saying it's going to suspend players who defect to this new league. And well, the Saudis may have a lot of money, but they may not have much else. They won't have many players and don't even have a TV contract as it stands today. So anyway, Greg Norman as CEO of this Nassant organization obviously has a lot of cleaning up to do in the PR department. And part of that is downplaying Saudi Arabia's brutal record when it comes to human rights and gay issues. So Norman did an interview this week with Golf Digest, and he made comments brushing aside Saudi Arabia's involvement in Jamal Khashoggi's murder. Greg Norman said, we've all made mistakes. (laughs) Yep, we have. We've all made mistakes. Yep. You know, some of us have gotten speeding tickets. Some of us have maybe done something bad to a friend. Some of us have maybe let down a family member. We all have made mistakes. We all have regrets. Some of us have, yeah, taken part in a murder. Yeah, we all have mistakes, right? 
please. And Norman didn't stop there. When he was asked about the kingdom's abysmal treatment of LGBTQ people, he dismissed the question outright. I'm not sure whether I even have any gay friends, to be honest with you, Greg Norman said. So, ah, hear no evil, see no evil. Sure, Saudi Arabia might be one of the most oppressive places on earth for LGBTQ folks, but Greg Norman says he doesn't think he even has gay friends. So what does that matter? He talks about gay people as if we're some foreign species stashed away in a faraway land. I mean, he doesn't have any gay people in his life, so why would he care about us, right? (sighs) I mean, these are just outrageous comments. I mean, they're really kind of on the line of, I remember a few years ago, uh, Chechnya's leader, their strongman leader, uh, Chechnya, of course, is that Russian province. They had that, they may still be doing it, but a few years ago, there was a lot of coverage of the witch hunts that they were undergoing for gay people living in Chechnya. Uh, But their strongman leader denied those witch hunts because he said, There's no need to hunt down gay people in Chechnya because there are no gay people in Chechnya. Oh, very simple. So that's what the Greg Norman comments kind of made me remember. And it really just shows how bereft the golf world is of LGBTQ visibility. I mean, Greg Norman is an icon on the PGA Tour. He was number one in the world for 331 weeks in the 80s and 90s. I mentioned he's a 20-time PGA Tour champion And he uses his platform to totally dismiss discrimination against LGBTQ people. That's a problem. And it's a problem with the golf world that Norman has lived in for the bulk of his life. This year was the 86th straight Masters with zero out gay players. Over the years, few pro golfers have even made statements in support of LGBTQ causes. Conversely, you've had several pro golfers, including Justin Thomas, They've been caught making homophobic remarks, and they've all apologized for what it's worth. And we profile all sorts of out-athletes and out-sports. Golf is no different. Caddy Todd Montoya recently came out. We had a Palm Springs area golf pro who came out in late 2020 on out-sports. We've had a few others. The most most well-known out-pro golfer is probably Tad Fujikawa, who is the youngest player in U.S. Open history. And he recently told R. Sid Ziegler that golf is in need of outspoken allies. He said, quote, if the players on the PGA Tour were more outspoken about it, it would help our cause a lot. But I think a lot of the players feel that it doesn't really involve them, so being quiet is okay. And that captures Norman's position to a T. I don't think I even have any gay friends, so it's not my problem. In his mind, Saudi Arabia can treat LGBTQ people however it wants, just as long as his golf league is up and running. And it's disgraceful, it's disgusting, it's disgusting, it's loathsome, and it's laughable, frankly, in 2022 to sound like you never even really thought of gay people. Oh, interesting. You mentioned there is discrimination against gays in Saudi Arabia? I mean, I don't even know what that is, gay people. I don't even think I have any gay friends. I don't know who they are, gay people. What are you bothering me with that for? I mean, please, that's the message that Greg Norman sends. And he's the CEO of this new golf league. Yeah. Talk about uh, making a bad PR problem even worse. And I would just never understand. 
I mean, you want to be money whipped by the Saudis. That's fine, right? But you're a Greg Norman. You're an icon, as I mentioned, in the pro golfing world. One of the greatest to ever do it. I'm sure you have plenty of money. What do you need to be going around playing cover for the Saudis and brushing aside the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? We've all made mistakes. What an embarrassing remark that Greg Norman may never get over. I mean, for a generation of people, like this could be what we remember Greg Norman as, the CEO of this crazy new Saudi golf league who dismisses human rights abuses, murder, discrimination against gay people. Like, is that really what you want to be remembered for now, Greg? Like, do you really need this that badly? I mean, what would be wrong with addressing some of the atrocities? Well, I guess the problem would be the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund would pull its, will pull its money. And I guess in this case, their money is worth more than not just his morals, but his reputation. I mean, really selling out his reputation here for this league that may have a lot of money, but it'll probably be a failure if the PGA Tour is going to suspend players who take part in it. I mean, which top golfer is going to do that? None of them. So destroying your reputation to play cover for the Saudis, all for a league that may not last, what, past a couple of years? I mean, I just don't get it. I really don't. I also don't get this story if it is true. A former head trainer for the Chicago White Sox has alleged in a lawsuit that the team fired him in 2020 for being gay. The White Sox, of course, deny the claim. Brian Ball is the head trainer's name. He filed the suit in Cook County, Illinois. He says he was dismissed because of his sexual orientation, age, and disability. He's seeking monetary and punitive damages. Uh, He worked for the team for 20 years before being promoted to head trainer in 2018. According to the lawsuit, Ball says the team learned he was gay before he was promoted. And then it all went downhill from there. In July 2020, he was the victim of a carjacking and took medical leave. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I hit my mic. So excited here. Uh, when he was cleared to return a month later to the organization, the team did not bring him back. And that October told him he was being fired. General Manager Rick Hahn in September 2020, according to Ball, made continuous statements uh, that he had either a gambling, alcohol, or drug addiction that was related, that was related to the July carjacking. The suit says that in December 2020, Ball was told by a White Sox management level representative that based on a knowledgeable White Sox senior management representative disclosure, Ball's termination was based on his sexual orientation. And Ball's attorney told WGN in Chicago, there are witnesses who can back that up. As players in the minor leagues dream of becoming big league players, trainers dream of becoming a big league trainer. And so to get that opportunity, I was just blown away. Ball told WGN, as for his firing, he said it even makes it even worse that it happened from some place where he grew up, from home, and probably that's what's most disheartening about the whole thing. So the White Sox have issued a strong denial to Ball's charges. They say they category deny the basis allegations. It is extremely disappointing that a former colleague chose to attack the club in his way. On and on they go. Now, this is interesting because obviously if we if a judge rules that Brian Ball did get fired from the White Sox because of his sexual orientation, I mean that is a bombshell story 
And then I think that would call for a greater investigation from Major League Baseball into the working practices of the White Sox and maybe other organizations around the league. If it happened in with the White Sox, has it happened anywhere else? I mean, I find it hard to believe that there's just one outlier, but maybe. I mean, this is a bombshell accusation. So definitely something we will be following. And, you know, the White Sox do host a pride night, like pretty much every baseball team except the, the Rangers. But this is a reminder that just hosting a pride night or even doing charitable work in the LGBTQ community is not the be all and end all. You know, just that does not mean that, okay, they have the pride night, they do the good work, they sign the checks. No discrimination could possibly happen in that organization. And in the White Sox statement, of course, that's what they point to. We are unified against discrimination in any form. We support anti-discrimination laws. On and on it goes. But oftentimes, as we've seen, that kind of stuff just gets used as a cover. And I don't know anything about the veracity of Brian Ball's claims. I, I, I do find it hard to believe that he would be outright lying about this because he is still a trainer. He says he is still looking for work. This would not be the good way to get work, to lie about your ex-employer and slander them in this way by saying they fired you because you're gay in 2020? That would not seem to be the way out of unemployment for Brian Ball. So that makes me think that maybe there is something here. And if there is, again, I mean, this is such a bombshell story. Wow, wow, wow. And we'll see if we find out more as the season progresses. We've talked about it in past episodes, about the relationship that I think Major League Baseball has with the LGBTQ community, with its Pride Nights, which take place in June, along with Major League Soccer. We found out this week that Dodgers and Giants will both wear special Pride caps for their Pride Night game this year. So there's still a lot of good going around and changing baseball's conservative culture with these issues. But uh, this White Sox report, man, oh man, it is a doozy. All right, so do you feel all uplifted now after those after that trio of stories? Uh, stuff worth talking about. And it's good to talk about these things from time to time because it shows that, uh, yeah, we still have a lot working against us as a community, not just in the political world with the rollback of a lot of laws and the don't say gay bill and stuff like that, but also in pro sports, you know, that still is, there still is that, that intrinsic uh, animosity and barrier that exists uh, between sports and the LGBTQ community. So we talk about it all here in the Sports Kiki podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you have any show ideas, guest ideas, topic ideas, you know how to find me. Hit me up on Twitter. At AlexRumor1 is my username. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next, next Saturday.